Hi, this is Father Jonathan. I'm so glad that you've tuned in to the Grace Church Podcast. I think that because you've tuned in, you will better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that the next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more what's going on at Grace Church, please visit us at graceocala.org. As you're being seated, uh, I know many of you probably thought, hey, one day I want to be a reader here at Grace, and then you saw the first reading today and thought, never, (laughs) never. Linda, great job. (laughs) Those are some tough words right there. Well done. So this week I was having a discussion with my friend, uh, not my only friend, I have several. Uh, uh, One of my friends, we were talking about the very passage of the gospel today, the scripture reading today. And he said to me, very honestly, and I appreciated it, you know, I don't like this parable. It seems to me that there should be another character, you know, a fourth guy who was given this money but then went off and wasted it by partying and some wild living. Because when you look at the third guy, he said, did he really do anything wrong? I mean, he did nothing. So, that a really big deal? What's the point? And... I can see his point. I get what he's saying. It does seem a very off-balance story, particularly unfair in several ways that I think we should address today. Uh, I don't actually think Jesus made a mistake with the story, though, just so you know. I think the unfairness of the story is precisely the point. And so if you are troubled by this, we need to look at this, this gospel and understand what Jesus is really saying to us. Now, to get some context here on this passage, Jesus, in this passage of scripture, Matthew 25, was telling several parables, several stories about the kingdom of God. And in the midst of these stories, he tells this particular parable about the unevenness and unfairness of life, but also of God. And he gives us God's perspective on this unevenness because it seems to be this is what God wants. Now, if you grew up in the church, You've heard this story before, and you probably know this as the parable of the talents. Not a word we use at all anymore, but a talent is simply this, a measurement of money. So Jesus took something that was very culturally known, culturally relevant for the first century people, and he uses it to teach them a lesson about what God thinks in terms of risk and unevenness in those places in our lives. So keep in mind that parables, as a rule, were told in extreme. On purpose, they were used, Jesus used them very often with hyperbole to make his point clear. And I think that's what he's doing here to get uh, this message across to his listeners and to us today. And so Jesus says this, the kingdom of God, not quite in our reading, but if you want to follow along, it says the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So Jesus is speaking from the extreme in the very beginning because it says that the man left his property to them. All of his wealth? Is that what it means? Well, why would he leave all of his wealth to his three servants? It doesn't make any sense. So it's extreme on purpose. It's an unlikely story. But the point is this. He leaves his wealth to them because he wants to see what these three guys do with it and will they manage as if he were there himself. And he says, be like me when I'm gone. That's implicit in his statement when he gives them his wealth. And so it says that he gave to one five talents. We'll just say five bags of gold because a talent was worth about 20 years of the average worker's labor. 
And so it was a lot of money. So one talent was 20 years worth of work. He gives this one first guy five of those, five bags of money, we'll say. To the second one, two, and the third one, one. Each according to their abilities, what the text says. And then he went on his journey. Now, note one thing right off the bat. It's not even, is it? Unfair distribution from the very beginning. It's not fair. Not all got the same amount of gold. And what is fair is that the one who owns the wealth can decide who gets the wealth. So one of life's lessons from this story from the very beginning is everything is fair to someone. Everything is fair to someone. And so in this instance, it's fair to the master. So we continue. The man who got the five bags of gold, he went at once, it says, and put the money to work, and he got five more. Now, putting the money to work, we are to understand that he took these things and he traded them for other things of wealth that had an appreciating value. And he did this because he knew that this is what was being expected of him from his master. He had been given this money to manage, which is why he didn't go to Vegas with his five bags of gold and put it all on Red Nine or the slot machine. Or he didn't buy a bunch of lottery tickets because all of those things are just bad bets. There's this random luck and anybody who is there to risk in a way that, that would, would be what the manager intended would never assume those kind of risks. They would assume risks that made sense like their boss. But note this very clearly. The goal was to make money, but it was not the requirement. The goal was to make money, but it was not the requirement. Financial risk, godly right risk, is what was being asked of them. Not profit, risk. That's the point that Jesus is teasing out through these characters. So that's what we see next. The guy with two bags of gold, he goes, he takes it, he gains two more. The second servant did exactly what the first guy did. Then there's this guy with the one bag of gold. He goes, digs a hole in the ground, and hides his boss's money. Well, that's a different technique, right? The... He went to the school of management that said, do nothing. I'm not sure I would even call this management. I would simply call it fear. Now, this is where my friend and I got into this discussion, and we came back to it. He said, well, at least he didn't do anything stupid with it. That is true. But that's not what this story is about. There are other stories in the Bible about not doing stupid things with the things that God has given you. But in this instance, there's a different point. So after a long time, the master comes back. He calls the three servants, and he says, let's settle up. And so the guy who had taken five, had been given five, brought his other five in, and he says, see, you gave me five. I got five more, and I'd love for you to note what the boss says. He says, awesome, let's be partners. Awesome, let's be partners. Let's go into business together. Let's take what I have given you and make it ours. Shocking. The guy with two bags of gold, same deal, comes in, hey, I, you gave me two, I gained two more. The master's reply, same. Awesome, let's be partners. Let's go into business together. Let's keep working this out. Stop for a second. Ask the obvious question. If you were the first servant... 
The guy who had been given five made five more. You see the same thing happen to the guy who had been given two and made two more. How would you feel if you were the first guy? Wait a minute. Did you not see what I just did? I am awesome. You would immediately note the unfairness, the inequity of what the boss just did. Doesn't seem to matter, though. We get to the third guy. And the third guy is a really interesting illustration of some first century whining. So listen close, because this is what whining in the first century sounded like. He comes in and he begins to explain why he buried this money, why he, it really is the master's fault that the things turned out the way they did. And this is what irresponsible people do, by the way. He says, the man who had received one bag of gold came in and said, Master, I know that you have high standards and you hate careless ways. You demand the best and you make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you. What he's saying is that his boss is hard to work with. He doesn't leave any crumb on the table. He doesn't take no for an answer, he says. And so he basically says, I was scared. I was anxious. So I found a good hiding place for your money. And I did just that. I hit it. <coughs> Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The servant actually blames his boss for there not being more gold. <coughs> Excuse me. And at the end, I think we should say to him what Jesus said. Nice try, dude. But it's not going to work. Wrong answer. Because look how, the, look how the master responds. He is furious and he says, this is a terrible way to live. It's criminal to be this cautious. If you knew I was the best, <coughs> why did you do less than the least? <coughs> Little tickle, sorry. So then the master takes back his stuff. He gives it to his new partners who were apparently willing to take risks. And he throws that last guy out. So this guy who had this incredible opportunity to risk with someone else's money, blows it. Then he blames his boss, and then he's thrown out. And the parable is over. What is the point? What's Jesus getting at here? I think it is simply and yet profoundly this. Everyone gets an uneven amount of opportunity and therefore risk. And everyone is held accountable for what opportunity you are given. That's it. Everyone gets an uneven amount. We don't all get the same amount. Everybody has privilege. Everybody has this responsibility to somehow, someday, give an account for what you did with your uneven amount of opportunity. Because it's not yours. It's on loan to you. And our responsibility is to figure out how to leverage, how to maximize the risk that we take with someone else's stuff. So in a very real way, we are all either one-bagger, two-baggers, or five-bagger people. All of us are in one of those categories. Let me tell you what I mean. So a five-bagger person... These are the folks who get into the right schools. They marry the right people. They have talents that get recognized in the public sphere and they make a lot of money. And strangely, they're always beautiful. Have you noticed that? They're always just beautiful people as well. And we hate these people. The five baggers. 
They have everything, it seems. It just seems to come naturally to them. But, and we would be wrong to miss it at this point, they are still responsible for what they do with those things. They cannot take it for granted. They can't just take it easy because they've got it all. They have to do something with it. So those are the five baggers. On the other end of the continuum, we have the one baggers. There are folks who have to work their way through school, who parents, maybe they got divorced when they were younger. Maybe they're not all that attractive and they don't have very strong communication skills and life is tough for them. And when they look around them, they say to themselves, I don't have a lot going for me, especially compared to those five baggers. But they still have the one bag. They've been given this one bag to invest, to risk. Now, I would argue maybe most of us are somewhere in the middle. Maybe we're the two baggers. Have some of some giftings, others we lack. And the question is, what are we going to do with what we have? Our tendency is to look at everyone else around us. Those who have or those who don't. And then, therefore, make excuses for ourselves. Well, if I had more like the five baggers, I would, of course, do more. I would give more away. I just don't have as much as they do. Or if I had more time, like folks who are retired, I would do some more Bible study. Or if I had more opportunities to serve, I would serve more. But I just don't have those opportunities. And on and on and on and on. These are the excuses that we give ourselves, we make for ourselves. This parable teaches us, though, that we need to look at what we have, our own bag, and decide how to risk it to the fullest. We've got to refuse to take what we've been given for granted, either by wasting it or making excuses for how our life has turned out. Now, I've had friends who have been very successful financially in their lives, such that they could retire quite young. These friends of mine could have just sailed off into the sunset, so to speak. But because of their faith, they, and because of their understanding that there is a joy in work, there's a joy in risk, there's a joy in investing in God's kingdom, they didn't tap out. They stayed in the game. They took what they had, and they continued to invest it for God's kingdom, and they inspire me. Now, it is, I think, somewhat of our human condition Unfortunately, natural of us to be jealous of those who've been given much. Actually, our favorite stories are about them, aren't they? These people who seem to have it all and then choose to invest it for the sake of others. Even just this week, as I was praying about considering this text, I heard that uh, Bill Gates recently, th this week, gave $50 million for Alzheimer research. Now, I could look at that and be like, well, he had it to give, so good on him. I mean, he should have given $100 million, really. I mean, just, what's, what's this story? Cheapskate, right? I mean, come on, dude. Now, to my knowledge, Bill Gates isn't even a person of faith, and yet he believes that Alzheimer's is a disease that needs to be solved. And as someone who's married to a woman whose family seems to tend towards Alzheimer's disease, I want to thank him because he's invested in something that could potentially directly affect me and my family. He's a guy who is taking what has been given to him and risking it, maybe never to see the result of it. Now, I get it. Most of us are the two-bag folk. We don't have all that Bill has. 
But we have our own opportunities. We've been, in fact, given different opportunities, some more than others. And so really, it's our responsibility. I would even argue our joy, our joy to do that same thing, to look at what you've been given and figure out a way to leverage it, to risk it for the sake of God's kingdom if you are a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, then for the sake of something bigger than yourself. Because living for yourself is a waste of a life. There's nothing inspiring or even very interesting about living for yourself. So let me wrap this up with a little bit of clarity. God isn't interested in being even. That's what the parable teaches us. He's not interested in being even. He's given us just what we need to work with. And so if you're 25 years old and you have a job that's just barely working out, the question is, man, God, why didn't you help me? The question is, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to risk that? Or if you're 44 years old and you have a good job, but maybe, maybe you're not married yet or your marriage is in a rough spot and you're wondering, man, why I have this good job, but why isn't my marriage working out? God, why did you do this to me? You're missing it. The question is, what are you going to do with what you have? Maybe you're happily married, but your career hasn't turned out like you thought it would. And now you're wondering, why is it like this? And you want to gripe and complain and make excuses. I get it. Or, maybe like the gospel, we can accept what has come from our Father in heaven and leverage that that he has given us. Risk it for the sake of something bigger than ourselves. Maybe the most important verse in this whole parable is this. After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. I'd love for you to memorize that verse, actually. Because one day, you and I will have to give an account for the way in which we lived our lives. It can be an awesome thing, as depicted by the first two servants. Or it yet can be another excuse to blame and to hide and to shift responsibility. Another time of why things didn't go our way and why God should give us a pass. We all have time. Uneven amounts of time. We all have opportunities. Uneven amounts of opportunities. We all have income that is uneven. I get it. So what it means for us today is... Will you choose to be the person who takes responsibility for their own life and for the way that you use those opportunities? Will you really do that or will we just talk about it one more time? I don't want to take them for granted. I don't want to make excuses. I don't want to compare myself to the people around me and wish I had something that I don't. Because the bottom line is this. To whom something is given, regardless of how great or small, something is required. It's when we embrace that idea through the lens of God's love that we begin to get serious about God, about his kingdom, and about what he wants to do through us. So let me pray for us. Father, I acknowledge that we are people who are quick to look at other folks and admire and sometimes even be jealous of what they have and who they are. Forgive us, Lord for 
looking down on the ways in which you have gifted us and given to us. Instead, Father, I pray that we would take these words from this parable and choose to risk. Choose to leverage what you put in our lives. Choose to invest in your kingdom and the people around us. Not just because of the reward, but because of the way in which we get to be partners with you. And God, I pray that as that happens, we would see your kingdom come. We would see your will be done. That we would be changed. And we would be filled with your joy and your Holy Spirit. We ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, this is Josh, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation today. We know that the Holy Spirit is moving in our community in a powerful way, and we hope you'll share this message with your community. If you'd like to be involved in any of the wonderful things going on in our campus here in Ocala, you can learn more about us at graceocala.org. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Well, we'll see you on the next Grace Church podcast. Go in peace.